The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on Friday morning, and the playoffs are here. And if the playoffs are here, that must mean one thing. It's time for the annual 8 by 8 but this year, 7 by 8 Rapid fire. Hold on to the seat of your pants. So much information is flying into your ears. Playoff preview of every series with True Hoops. David Thorpe, one of the great basketball analysts of our time. Mr. Thorpe, are you ready? Do you have your clock ready? Do you have your notes ready? Are you ready? I have writer's cramp. Yes, Zach, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. So we, I set the order by uh, the amount I am intrigued by every series. I am a dictator. I determined the order by myself. No one else has a say. You do not have a say. And I want to lead off. I'm putting – this is a seven by eight because we only know seven of the playoff series. We don't know all eight. So uh, the number one out of seven, I'm I'm putting eight minutes on my fake clock that I'm not actually going to look at. Uh, I am most intrigued by the 3-6 series in the Eastern Conference between the Milwaukee Bucks – and the Miami Heat with the Bucks staring straight at the ghosts of bubble failures past. And uh, they had a chance to duck this series. They did not take it. They instead stomped the Heat without Jimmy Butler, who played zero seconds in the three head-to-head matchups between these two teams in the regular season. So you can essentially throw all of them out. Um, I think, uh, obviously, we are fresh in our minds, our the Heat dismantling the Bucks in five games in the bubble. Uh, they were up 3-0 when Giannis sprained his ankle, or at least on his way to being up 3-0. So I don't want to hear from Milwaukee fans using that as the reason they lost the series. The Heat just beat the snot out of them, period. End of story. Uh, this season, it would appear that some of the wins that Miami got on the margins of that series should not be as easily replicable, right? Like Jay Crowder turned into Clay Thompson for five games. He's gone. He's Trevor Ariza now. Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic were at absolute peak form. They have not been at absolute peak form this season. The the Bucks have steeled themselves, prepared themselves for this moment by dipping their toes into this exotic defensive strategy called switching between like-size plays. I believe it's pronounced switching, maybe switching. I'm not sure. Switching, I think. Um, and yet, Coach, and yet, the Heat have the fifth-best offense in the NBA in the last 25 games. Hero and Dragic are cresting at the right time. The Heat appear to be bull- pulling this magic trick of coming together at the right time, at the right moment, just as they did last year. They have some interesting personnel options to defend Giannis. Uh, I am fascinated just by how everyone matches up in this series. I think this is going to be a good series. Uh, I'll give my prediction at the end, but I will kick it to you. What interests you most in terms of individual matchups, schematic matchups? What's first five minutes of the game? What are your eyes going to be looking at? So I'm going to quote you talking, I think, to Woj this week where you talked about uh, the Bucks wanted this. Right? That's what you said. I agree with you in a sense. They didn't dodge it. And Miami is going to look right back at him. And your quote was them snarling right at him. Like, they want this too. They think they got, they think they've got this puzzle solved. But I wonder, the first five minutes, I like how you put that. But let me just remind you of this. I know you remember this. The Heat had game two won last year. And I only referenced last year because I think it's on the Bucks' minds too. You can't miss what happened last year. It's like you don't forget a car accident, right? Like just a year later. 
uh, the, the it's over. The Heat have game two one until suddenly the Bucks tied the game. And in the last second, Giannis, I thought absolutely fouled Jimmy Butler shooting that corner shot, ridiculously so. And boom, it's 2-0. And then they never recovered after that, right? And so, but the reality is, if you don't foul them, they had all the momentum going overtime. I have no idea where their mindset is now, but it's likely to be very different. So those first five minutes, I don't want to see panic from Milwaukee. I think they're the better team, Zach. I think they have more lineups and they have more options. Uh, they, I think they've also sandbagged us a little bit. Uh, we know they normally don't worry about taking away threes. Uh, it's not their biggest thing. They, they typically are one of the worst teams in the league at preventing three-point shots. But they aren't normally the worst team in the league at preventing people from making three-point shots. But they've been the worst team. And I want to say this. I don't care what happened in December. I know it seems not that long ago compared to a regular season, which is a longer season. It was only 72 games ago. But given the fact these guys play every other night, nobody remembers anything from a month ago. Between injuries and guys sitting out and resting, this is the first time I've only looked at the last 15 games. We used to last 25, for example, the Heat, our top five, last 25. Last 15, they have the third best offense. I've only looked at last 15. So Milwaukee has been the worst team in the league defending the three in terms of percentage. And I think that's by design. They don't care. I think they're going to pull a switch a little bit, flip it a little bit. And because they've tried different things, they have more confidence to be a little more innovative. Uh, But also Miami can't just know what's coming. And I think that's going to be an advantage to Milwaukee. So I want to see, I don't think it matters if the Bucs get off to a big lead. If Miami starts off hot early, which they could, they're a super hot shooting team right now. Their list of great shooters is long. Uh, Milwaukee just needs to not panic. And whatever game plan they come up with, they've got to just stay with it and not feel like, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah, and, what, and some of the reasons that, you know, I, I mentioned the margins, right? And, and Because the superstars are going to do superstar things. And I think Giannis will play better in this series than he did last year when he just ran into the the wall over the wall. and over again. Right. Um, but the margins are also um, – Milwaukee's supporting players have improved as shooters, at least percentage-wise. DiVincenzo's a better shooter. Connaughton's a better shooter. Forbes will see how long he can hang in without the Heat exposing him on defense, which they will every chance they get. He's an elite shooter. Tucker at the five gives them another look. Portis is a good shooter. So Miami's strategy of load up on Giannis, dare all those other guys to beat us, while the Bucs are better prepared to win some of those dares from three-point range than they were last year. And Tucker at the five is a wild card they didn't have in terms of switch everything uh, lineups. I'm I'm fascinated just by the very basic matchups in this series, starting with who guards Giannis. Last year, there, there's this sense of Bam is the Giannis stopper. Last year, Crowder got the primary assignment on Giannis for almost the entire series, which allowed Bam to be a helper. Crowder's gone. Do you think they go Ariza on Giannis, or do you think they go right to Bam on Giannis and put Ariza on Brooke Lopez, which is something we've seen a lot of teams do, sort of put their wings on Lopez. And what would you do? Early in the game, I would play my more expendable player early, just in case the referees are calling it tight. Sometimes, I think that's why Alex Lynn, for example, is starting for the Wizards. I can't imagine any other reason why he's starting over the game's best center in the world right now, Robin Lopez. Um, I think they're worried about early fouls. I think Dean Oliver is computing his math and must realize they call more fouls on centers the first five minutes, sir. So with that fear, I'd probably go with the reason. Uh, but something else I'm looking at, Zach, is we know M- Milwaukee, they're they're playing really fast, right? Miami does not want to play fast. 
But the, the, the Heat are very good at forcing turnovers and really race out of it. I think if you force Miami to a half-court game, unless these other guys, as you said, they're cresting, really take off, Milwaukee has a huge advantage if Miami can't score early. So you want to play faster, but that tends to look for turnovers too. And so how does, how does Milwaukee do that? How do they, they, got, they got the pace faster during the regular season than they otherwise do. How do they do that? Do they trap themselves a little bit more? Do they let the guys take early shots and not worry about getting the best shot? Uh, you mentioned the wall. You can't watch these games and not see the wall. But what's interesting is how hyperactive Miami is off the ball. When Giannis does his little ball screen and roll action, which is a great action, they'll run some kind of misdirection, then they go into ball screen, he rolls. Heat guys are flying off those buck shooters to help on the roll. So as you said, they've got to just step up and make shots. And if they miss, don't panic. This is their system. We got you guys for a reason. You mentioned it earlier too. Miami shot, I think, uh, 37% from three in that series, and the Bucs were 32%. I mean, sometimes it just comes down to Eric Bledsoe wasn't very good, and Drew Holiday's a better player. If he doesn't play better, then it doesn't matter what their names are. But he's a better player than Eric Bledsoe, and if he plays well, better, it, it, it helps. We should have mentioned Drew earlier because that's you know one of the reasons why I think their offense can be more diverse this season is that they have another elite player in, in Drew Holiday who can handle the ball and run pick and roll with Giannis. And to that point, I think if you're going to beat Miami in a series, if Miami's going at full throttle, they're a really good team. I think if you're going to beat them, one of the things you have to do is you have to be able to hurt Hero, Robinson, and Dragic on defense. You have to be able to go at them. Well, Giannis just dribbling into five guys is not really going at them. <laughs> Drew Holiday running pick and roll right. with Tyler Hero on him and someone else on Giannis forces the defense into a pretty bad dilemma. Do I switch? Do I go under? How do I avoid getting one of those guards switched onto Giannis and he goes into smash mode? Um, the other thing I'm interested in is, you know, defensively, Lopez will start on Bam. Unless, unless they just go hide Lopez right off the bat and say you're going to go on Trevor right. Ariza, uh, which is an interesting gambit because you know the Heat are going to say, okay, we know you're prepared to switch now our split actions between Hero and Robinson. You're prepared to switch some, you know, Butler Dragic actions, Butler Hero, but you're not prepared to switch when we have Bam and Duncan Robinson go on their two-man game because if Brooke Lopez is on Bam, they're not probably not going to switch that. Are you going to trap that and let Bam roll into open space? Are you going to step up and try to get back? That's an area you can expect the Heat to sort of prod really early on, and I'm really interested to see how Lopez does if they move Lopez around to get him out of that action and how quickly, if Miami is hurting them, they go right to Giannis and Tucker at the four and the five. Yeah, no, those are those are great points. Uh, the, the starters from Milwaukee have been playing really well. There's a good chance they get off to a good start. Uh, and I can't stress this enough that uh, they might lose game one. And it's a, it's a mistake on Milwaukee if they allow that to mean, for them, we've lost the series, right? If they play great and lose, that's scary. But if they don't play very well and lose, just move on. The Lakers showed twice last year. You can lose the first game of a series, and the better team should win the series. They, they shouldn't panic that way. Uh, your point on Holiday, who can play bully ball and attack some of those guys, I, I think is very key. Uh, we saw none last year make some he, – he really helped Miami when their offense bogs down, and it can. They've been shooting it – I wrote it down. Ariza, 40%. Uh, 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 Dragic, 46. None, 41. Duncan, none had a None had an under-the-radar solid season right. offensively for he Miami. Did. And here it was 52% those last 15 games. I mean, they are rolling right now. And um, 
but Milwaukee, if they don't change up what they did at the end of the season, then that's I feel differently because I like my Milwaukee in the series. I like them more than I even did last year. Um, but uh, only if they change up their defense and start taking some of the threes away and making Milwaukee, making Miami attack the, the I call it the second box, the middle of the floor, get to the rim. They don't have a lot of guys that can do that. They're, Miami can really be limited in the half court. That's why none is so important. He, he's got that elite quickness to attack people. We've gone over our allotment on this series, but we're going to go under it on some of the crappy Eastern yeah. Conference series. My official prediction on ESPN.com for this series, and all my predictions are up, is Bucks in seven. I think the Bucks are going to win some of the marginal battles that they lost last year. I think they're more prepared for this. I do think, to your point, though, why this series was number one on my intrigue list is I want to see what happens if Miami comes out and wins game one. Because I'll tell you this, Miami thinks they're better than the Bucs. Miami is fine with this matchup. The Bucs have revamped a lot of what they do this season in preparation for this moment. They played the same way for two years, exactly the same way. Now they're playing a lot of different ways, okay? They're out of their comfort zone. Now, some players were more comfortable in that comfort zone than others. Some coaches were more comfortable in that comfort zone than others on that staff. What happens when some of the new stuff you try, you screw up a switch and Tyler Hero hits a three? You miscommunicate and bam rolls free to the basket. Do you do you do you wobble? Do you lose faith? How do you react to the first taste of adversity having what happened to you in the rearview mirror last year? So I may and maybe the Bucks come out and they just win game one by 20, and this is all moot. But that's why I'm most curious. But I'm picking Bucks and seven. Are you ready for my second most intriguing series? Yes, I am. We are moving west to the no-brainer number two ranking in the intrigue rankings and probably number one for a lot of people, and that's the 2-7 series between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, I don't really have to sell you on why this is an intriguing series. It's LeBron James. It's the wild card of LeBron's health. It's Phoenix, who ranked sixth in offense and sixth in defense, an absolute elite profile, and yet people are sort of I think they're the Vegas underdogs in this series, despite how creaky LeBron looked. By the way, nobody, I'm not sure there's anyone in the NBA who in the first half of that game between the Lakers and the Warriors, I was texting some of my buddies around the league and I said, "Um, LeBron looks like late career Jason Kidd just trying to quarterback the game from 30 feet away. And by the way, he's good at that. He's LeBron (laughs) James. And then he finishes the game with a triple-double and a game-winning three. It's like the guy is just absolutely unbelievable. So. I think this series, um, when you when you look at Phoenix, starts a pretty small lineup with Bridges, Crowder, and Ayton in the front court. The Lakers start a gigantor lineup with LeBron, Davis, and Drummond in the front court. I think that presents Phoenix with some interesting matchup dilemmas right off the bat. Um, what what I'll, same same question? First two two possessions, first two minutes. What are you looking at? Phoenix's defense is a concern for me. They uh, they absolutely flipped their own script this season. They started the year stellar on defense and good on offense. And as they ended the season, in fact, I tracked I tracked Phoenix back to uh, April first. Uh, uh, they started playing really bad defense. They the last fifteen games they were down to twenty sixth in the league on defense. They were at twenty second as going back to April first because their offense exploded. And I don't know if it's like a killer whale playing with seals, but you wouldn't think it'd be that way with Phoenix. It was that way with the Clippers in the last couple of years. They just kind of play with their food. This is Phoenix. They they have no business playing with their food, right? They're happy to be eating. And uh, they got to be such a good offensive team 
They lost defensive focus. Uh, it's not so easy, Zach, just to get it back. It, I'm sorry, it just isn't. It's hard, and you have to be tight when you guard when you're playing the Lakers. Frank Vogel does not just play ISO LeBron basketball. They run actions. You you've got to deal with Drummond in different spots on the court, and Davis and LeBron. And so uh, I worry if Phoenix comes out really locked in in terms of what, however they decide they want to guard LA. And I'm not at all suggesting that there's any necessary strategy that will work. But whatever it is that they have to buy in, are they doing it? Are they executing over certain screens, under certain screens, showing recovering when they're hedging, when they're doubling? If they're doing that, I think it's a more competitive series. The, the, inter- the, the more intriguing guy for me in the series is Caruso. Because Schroeder really struggled down the stretch with reason after the protocols with COVID, but he wasn't playing good before that either. Caruso has become an excellent two-way player as a shooter, not in the half court, in the, in the, in the, as a shooter overall in transition. And defensively, he's so good on Booker or Paul. Uh, Caruso becomes a really important guy. And then I also, um, I think Drummond hasn't ever played with some, well, I know he hasn't ever played with someone like Davis before, Zach. He started recognizing when Phoenix, for example, because they have no one really to guard AD if they're going to put Aiton on Drummond. So when they start fronting Davis, so that's an immediate fill the middle of the floor and seal and throw the lob at the rim. And Drummond started seeing that. And so when that happens, now Phoenix has to make a choice. If they don't deny Davis, well, they can just feed him the ball and make a play out of Davis much easier. And they can't really push him out. So, it be, so to my point is, L.A. can really guard. We know they're the best defense in the league. If Phoenix struggles to guard, I don't think it's a very competitive series. I'm hoping they get back to their old ways and play great defense. And then I think it'll be a great series. Yeah, if if LeBron is 80% or more health-wise, I don't really love this matchup for Phoenix. I think the Lakers' size across every position is just so overwhelming. KCP will get the Booker assignment to start and was pretty solid. I mean, Devin Booker's a great scorer. He's tailor-made for the playoffs. He will get buckets, but KCP did pretty well on him. Schroeder and Caruso should split the CP assignment. Wes Matthews will chip in on, on Booker as well. And just the size of their front line – I think is going to be a problem for Phoenix. So I suspect they will start with Crowder on Anthony Davis, who played only one of the three games and had 42 points in the one game he did play, which seems like not a great sign. (laughs) Crowder on Anthony Davis, Aiton on Drummond, which puts Bridges on LeBron. And Bridges is incredible. And the the, the LeBron we saw in the Warriors game, who could not post up Wiggins, got his shot thrown back at him in the post by Wiggins. Bridges can handle that guy. If LeBron, for whatever reason, gets healthier or more comfortable or more explosive, he can put Bridges in the basket because as long as Bridges is, he's skinny and LeBron will just bowl him over. So I'm interested to see that. And I also think we will see if AD just gets cooking, I think we will see and we have seen Aiton taking Davis, Crowder going over and guarding the Lakers centers if the centers are on the floor. That doesn't really solve the the LeBron Bridges issue, but I think Phoenix is going to have to play with the matchups a little bit if Davis gets cooking. And again, and the other thing is, so I looked up the the Lakers numbers with Anthony Davis at center, which is, which is a a lineup construction. I don't think they'll need so much in this series. Other than when Saric or Kaminsky is playing center, maybe in the backup minutes, (laughs) their lineups with Davis at center are plot. This is for, from uh, cleaning the glass, our buddy Ben Falk site are plus 25 per 100 possessions. They rank in the 99th percentile among all lineups on offense 
and the 99th percentile among all lineups on defense. Those lineups are so freaking good, and they just sit there in the back pocket. So I, I think the size is is going to be a problem on both ends for Phoenix. Um, and I think this is a huge test for DeAndre Ayton because if it, it, healthy LeBron showed absolutely no fear of going right at Ayton, you know, drop back on the pick and roll. I'm going right at you. I'm spinning off you. I'm just finishing through you and over you. I'm not worried about you. I think it's a big test for him. And I really, really worry about Phoenix's defense when Aiton is on the bench and if Aiton gets in foul trouble because they just have zero rim protection and the Lakers are the most aggressive rim team in the league. Yeah, you know, Phoenix might have to really uh, kind of muck things up a little bit. One thing I would want them to do, you made a point about LeBron playing like Jay Kidd. I had actually, I texted... Uh, you know, my partner, Troop Henry Abbott, at halftime and said, LeBron just looks old. Uh, uh, now, we understand. I said it maybe rest, maybe injury. We don't know. I wrote that in my text to him. But he doesn't look like we want him to look like. It might take a while. But not only has he missed games, and so that affects uh, the obvious things. This guy has a computer brain. But the computer brain has been resting for a while. And so I'm not sure all those microprocessor, those microprocessor chips are up to speed yet. I'd like to see Phoenix rush at him some, bring doubles from when you don't expect it, uh, like in transition. By the way, LeBron does this sometimes. If you watch in, in the last game against the Warriors, uh, there was a time where they trapped Curry, not LeBron. It was AD and Matthews, I think. And then when Curry split it, LeBron rushed him. Like, I was shocked. And Curry panicked and threw the ball away. That's what they have to do with LeBron. They have to bring guys that he if, – if he knows he, you're coming, he's playing three-dimensional chess – you got no shot. He sees it faster than you. If you can find ways to surprise him, especially early in the series, that gets them a little doubt, maybe he has to play more minutes, whatever, it, it could make a difference. I, I think if they don't do that, they're going to get beat up on. It may go six or seven. Phoenix is good, and their offense is amazing. Uh, Phoenix is I'm really good. Phoenix yeah. is really good. My official pick for this series, which again is like, we don't know what LeBron is really going to look like, but I'm right. picking Lakers in six. It's just hard to pick against the Lakers. But Phoenix is really, really good, and I think both Paul and Booker can hurt Drummond with mid-range jumpers in the pick and roll. That's one thing. The second thing I'm looking for is, you know, the Lakers played Booker pretty aggressively on the pick and roll. They had their centers coming out to the three-point line, and Aiton got some opportunities to play four on three, like like trying to be Draymond Green almost. I think if Phoenix can get the ball moving – they will be able to get some good three-point shots against Lakers. Now, Phoenix loves to run that Spain pick-and-roll where they run a pick-and-roll and then they have one of their guards back yeah, screen, Aiton's yeah. guy. They got they got good looks out of that. If they can keep it popping and they get the kind of hockey assist going, I think they're going to be able to generate some good shots. And, and I do think um, – they're I think they're just rock solid. Like, I don't think the Lakers are just going to come in here and roll them. Even, even if the Lakers were healthy, I would expect a pretty competitive series – um, but it's it's just hard to pick against LeBron and Anthony Davis and the and the size of the Lakers. I, I'm not doing that. I did that. I did that once and twice, maybe it was in Cleveland. I'm not doing that again. I'll just I'll throw one other thing for Lakers fans. If see, so for a while, Drummond was their offensive guy on center, and Gasol was their defensive guy. Both were very good in their roles. I think Drummond's getting better on defense. Whether it's coaching system, roster, I don't whatever. He is. I get. I trust him more defensively, moving his feet. He's still a foul. He's, made, he's made some recovery shot blocks in the last three or four games yeah. for them that were like, whoa, was that Anthony Davis or, or Andre Drummond? Right. 
and and just he's he's been more nimble uh, defensively than I've seen him, uh, and that's because he knows where to go, how to move, when to move. There's a comfort to what they're doing. There's a reason why the Lakers have been a great defensive in two years in a row. That's strategy. That's coaching and good talent. If he Zach, if he can become a defensive monster. For the first time, I started thinking this team can win. And I've not thought that for a long time. They've just missed too many games. Uh, but if he can, because eventually, if those guys stay healthy, get healthy, because I don't think they're there yet, that buys them time. Because if 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 the dynamic duo are at their best come, you know, July, they're the best team. I, I have I happen to think that's not going to be the case. But if Drummond really improves defensively, it can happen. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just download the app today and use code LOW for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LOW on the Prize Picks app for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Number three on my intrigue rankings, two teams that are doing backflips to have drawn each other and not anybody else, and two teams that give us a lot of fresh blood in the in the playoffs, the Knicks and the Hawks in a 4-5 series that on paper is about as even as a playoff matchup could possibly be, even though the Knicks went 3-0 and against the Hawks in the regular season, even though Julius Randle averaged, I think, 99 points a game in those three wins. <laughs> And went absolutely bananas against the Hawks. I love this series. I love everything about it. I love Trey Young getting his first baptism by fire in the playoffs. I want to see how, uh, well, who he guards, how the Hawks try to hide him on defense, if the Knicks can pick on him on defense, something that really they are not, they, they don't really play that way. They have not been sort of a mismatch hunting team in terms of hunting small guards that way. I'm interested in how the Knicks guard Trey Young. And the pick and roll. And I will, before I kick it to you, I will say this 18 ESPN experts have picked all the series. 15 of them picked the Knicks to win this series. That shocked me that it was was 15 to three. My read on this series is the Knicks are tougher and more together and feel more coherent than the Hawks because they've been pretty healthy 
for the majority of the season. I, Alec Burks just came back, but they like, and Tibbs, we know what their rotation is because Tibbs plays the same rotation every single game. Everybody plays tons of minutes. The Knicks feel playoff ready. The Hawks have had guys in and out of the lineup all season. There are questions about the, the playoff toughness of some of their young guys. So here's my read on it. The Knicks are tougher and the Hawks are more talented. And how those things sort of clash, I think, will be very interesting. I'll give my pick at the end, but what are you interested in in terms of strategy, matchups, whatever, as these yeah. two new teams to the playoffs face off? Well, you definitely are right. Uh, I would give the Knicks the edge in overall toughness, but toughness can be developed even in a series. You kind of you learn to walk the path, and not everyone knows the path. Walking the path is different. I think the Hawks are a more talented team. If this had been the team all year, not been the injuries, and not all the injuries they had, and they're still missing guys. Uh, then I think they'd be the higher seed. I'm focused on DeAndre Hunter because I don't think you're right. I don't think Julius Randle averaged 97 a game. I think it was like 104. I didn't check. Yeah, I didn't He check. destroyed them. I wrote down. He destroyed them. Uh, shot it great from three, which is, he's hard to guard if he's making threes. The Knicks shot least. 48% from three yeah. in the three games, uh, Four which points. is yeah, amazing. 4.3 of 8.7. Yeah, he actually had 37 points a game in three games. DeAndre Hunter, I don't know if he can shut him down. He is big and rangy and young, uh, and he can definitely make things tougher. And the Knicks have been shooting it lights out, right? Absolute lights out with lots of really good guys that can do it. There's a lot of pressure because that, they don't score a lot of other ways. They score – with Julius Randle playing bully ball and doing the things Julius Randle can do, and I've, I've loved them since his rookie season, uh, they make threes. And if you take that away and really lock out, I think they're number one the last 15 games with 43% from three. If you, you They don't shoot a ton, but it opens up everything else. They don't have a lot of guys that can really play make. Derrick Rose is obviously important. If Hunter can slow down Randle, I think the Knicks can really get bogged down. And on the other end, we know the Knicks can really guard. But the Hawks have a lot of weapons and a lot of lineups. And Clint Capella is probably the most underrated player in the NBA this year. I would say it, it, if there was a four-team All-NBA center, he'd be on my he'd be on my fourteen. Me too. Well, him or him or Bam, I'd have to decide. Yeah, right. So, you're right. Bam is a mate. Play them both. Put them both in there. Bam can play power forward. So you you hit the the nail on the head with Hunter as a pivot point in this series because right off the bat, I don't know what the Hawks' starting lineup is. I was like, how about how about that? We're entering the playoffs. I don't know who they're going to start. Let's say if you put a gun to my now, I haven't paid attention to every single thing Nate McMillan has uttered uh, <laughs> in press conferences in the last right. two days. Yeah, but if you said guess their starting five, I would guess Trey Young, Bogdanovich, yep. Hunter, yep. Collins, Capella. Correct. You know how many minutes that lineup has played this year? I wrote it down, but it's uh, very very little. Sixteen. 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 Yeah. But you so know what the rating was? A lot, plus yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so you might go into a playoff series, your first in several years, st starting a lineup that's played 16 minutes. So then then you get to play the matchup game. And this is why I love the playoffs, because the playoffs are about that. everything starts from who guards who and where is the weak spot. So who guards Randall? If it's Hunter, right, if you like that Hunter assignment and Hunter is a great defensive player, well, then where is John Collins? He's on Reggie Bullock over here somewhere. If he's on Reggie Bullock, where is Trey Young? Is Trey Young hiding on Alfred Payton? Or not hiding, but is Trey Young at the point of attack? Well, if Trey Young's at the point of attack, he's much easier to exploit, particularly when Tom Thibodeau is like, I'm sick of watching Alfred Payton stink up the joint. Bring me Derrick Rose. 
then that's a problem. Um, if 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 it's not Hunter guarding Randall because of all these machinations that I'm talking about, who is it? Well, positionally, it would be John Collins. That matchup did not go well for John Collins in the regular season. He fouled the bejesus out of Julius Randall. <laughs> I bet they start with Capella on Randall, except for the fact that that risks foul trouble yeah. to Capella, and that could be a problem. So I think right off the bat, who do they start and who guard who guards Randall and how are very interesting fundamental questions. Yeah, those that that lineup you talked about played six, they they outscored opponents one eighteen to ninety two in sixteen minutes over five games. I, I I made note of that. That's nothing, right? It certainly is not indicative of anything. If you had told me that lineup got pounded in sixteen minutes, I wouldn't think it meant anything either. Uh, but it makes sense, and so that's the lineup they're going to go with. For the reasons you say, I think you can hide someone on Peyton, and I agree with you that Peyton won't be in there long. He may start, and I think Thibodeau, Thibodeau Coach Tibbs has said he's going to start him, uh, and he made up some reason as to why, but it's all made up. He's just trying to keep the kid's ego in line. Rose will come in. Rose obviously had a, had a great year. Uh, the, the Hawks have, you know, they've got some experience too, right? Gallinari has been through some wars, and that, that – and and he's a guy I think players really respect and trust. He obviously made the playoffs last year. Lou Williams is someone I wrote that my note said, does he have anything left? Because he also has been in a ton of these games and he can be a barometer for a team and he doesn't stress about much, maybe sometimes to the detriment of his team. And and, and he has helped them stabilize the when Trey Young is on the bench yeah. minutes, which have been so bad for them for the last couple of years. They should not be bad now between Herder. Lou right. and you throw Bogdanovich in Collins can play backup center whatever you want to do those minutes should be okay now right the Knicks really have to they have to take care of the backboard actually I want them to do it on both ends because I do think if if they can play the defense they're capable of against Atlanta uh, but Atlanta using their athleticism and energy can get second shots that's going to really of course you know take away some of what New York has done uh, and I think that it's not going to be so easy you get spread out against Atlanta and that makes defensive responsibilities more challenging. Uh, they've got to stay locked into it. The, I, I don't care about New York and the crowd. The players don't care about playing Madison Square Garden. The Knicks have to show up and play. And part of me, and you're going to laugh at this, I have no negative feelings on the Knicks. My parents were Knicks fans when they were young. Uh, it, it makes some sense for them to make it be a four seed and lose in game seven. That kind of sticks with the narrative. Obviously, that doesn't really play into this. I don't think it's going to be easy for New York at all. I am shocked. I didn't know they picked 15 to three. I, I favor the Hawks in this series. I, I, I'm surprised it's they see it so one-sided. These are smart guys in Eddie's pan. I think it's a coin flip series. I think it's going to be a really good series because I do think the Knicks are tougher and that their defense is real. I, however, am one of the three people who picked the Hawks because I just think the Hawks are more talented and, yeah. and their, their offense is really, really good. And – you know, when you watched, I, I went back and watched some of the regular season games. Trey, when, when they had everybody, which they didn't really have, and now they've got Gallinari, Bogdanovich, everybody's here. They're right. going to be able to penetrate the defense and get decent shots. Yeah. When, in particular, the Knicks load to the paint pretty aggressively. And one of the things I'll be watching is when Trey gets off the ball early and it starts moving, the Hawks get good shots, particularly. The, the strong side corner pass is there. Like the Knicks are off some of those corner shooters sometimes. And when they kick to the corners, they got good looks. So I'll be interested to see how – and and how they mix it up too because I think the Knicks will defend Trey by coming up to the level of the screen 
inviting him to drive in for floaters and saying, hey, if you make enough floaters to beat us and we don't foul you when you stick your butt out, then we're, we're fine with that. I think, you know, the Hawks, can they run some screen the screener action? Can they get can they get some more unpredictability to get threes and stuff? And I think they'll do that. I'm, I picked the Hawks in six um, as my pick. I think it's going to be a good series, though. Yeah, just to finish up on that, I, I again, I, I give them an advantage, too. Uh, you said it earlier in this pod, and I say this all the time and write this, the elite players are elite because of what they do in these kinds of series. That's not just regular season. Uh, let's see how good Trey Young is, right? If, if we, All the things you just described about what the Knicks can do to slow Trey down. Every other elite player has seen that before too, Zach, and they find ways to just be better. Then what, whatever strategy you throw at me, I'm better than that. That's what makes them the elite player. Let's see. My, my son's favorite player when he was in high school was Trey Young, when Trey was still in high school. They're, they're not too far apart in age. I've been waiting for this for a long time. He and I will be talking on the phone probably after every game. Let's see what he can do, even though New York's vaunted defense will be targeting him. He has some help for sure, and that, that'll make it easier on him. But if he is the elite player we think he might be, that really swings things to Atlanta's side. Number four, moving on to my number four most intriguing first-round playoff series out of seven, the Dallas Mavericks against the Los Angeles Clippers in the 4-5 series in the West, a rematch, obviously, of um, – Last season's first round series, which was so epic, and even after Porzingis got hurt, remained a really interesting series. Um, I think if the Mavs are healthy, this could be a really fun and competitive series. Uh, I I'm just not sure they're healthy. The the intel and the reporting on Maxi Kleba, who is their go to Kawhi defender, yeah. um, is and his Achilles soreness and stuff is is not great. Uh, if he were healthy, I suspect the Mavs would start. Hardaway, Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleba, Porzingis, which is a lineup that has only played 22 minutes, but it's a lineup I really like. Hardaway is rolling. I think he'll probably start over Josh Richardson. Uh, and you put Kleba on Kawhi, you put Finney-Smith on PG, and you say, okay, at least we're not exploitable one-on-one initially. Now you can run pick and rolls with our guards to try and get us in bad matchups with Kawhi and then let him cook. And, and defensively, you know, if Porzingis is healthy and he hasn't been healthy for a lot of the season, he's been in and out of the lineup. The Mavericks haven't, or the Clippers have not liked to have Zubats on him because they are worried about Porzingis picking and popping. And so, but but with Porzingis guarding Zubats, sometimes they're stuck in that matchup, and the Mavs can make a little hay out of that. They bring some stuff to the table around Luca, who is just as good as anyone on planet Earth has ever been at making plays in the pick and roll against any defense you throw at him. If they are healthy and whole, I would give them a fighting chance to make this series go to distance and be competitive. If they're not healthy and whole, if Kleba is limited, if Porzingis is limited, I think the Clips kind of roll to an easy an easy win. So I split the difference that I had Clips in six. Well, I think there should be a rule probably for the next five or six years. Uh, any team that has Luka is never going to lose in less than six games going forward. He's 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 almost like LeBron that way. You're just not going to beat him easily. He's a, he's just a simply extraordinary player and has done this for a long time, right? Trey Young, this is his first playoff uh, experience. Man, Luke was doing this when he was like in middle school in, in against pros. And, and he and he almost single-handedly took this series to 7 games last year. Single against any defense. You switch, I'm fine. That's you drop you drop and then switch at the last minute. Fine, I'm attack. I'm attacking Zubats in space. It's like he sees any fall. He gets in traffic, and he sees the whole floor, and he senses 
That guy over there who doesn't even appear to be in my line of sight, his defender just took a quarter step towards me. That's all. And and as he's taking that quarter step, there goes the ball and you get an open look. It's crazy how good he is against any defense the Clippers threw at him. He was fine. Traps, whatever. He was fine. We're going to talk about that gift that you just described when we talk about uh, Nikola Jokic because he's the same way. Uh, I, I see the series this way. The Clippers still don't know how to guard Luka. They didn't in the postseason last year. I watched tape this year. They don't know what they're doing or they don't care. And that's a concern to me. They Are they hedging? Are they blitzing? Are they icing? Uh, are they switching? Uh, they can do all of those things. And they didn't, do, they didn't do any of them good this year. And not just with Luka, but right now they have to play Luka. Uh, until I see a locked-in team defensively, the team that I thought would win the championship last year, before the season started, you did too, and the team that I thought would eventually catch fire this year, and I've not seen that team yet, is still gonna. I'm still going to doubt it. I'm going to remind you of something, though, Zach. I don't know if I ever told you this before, but I've said it on different pods. Uh, I was talking to David Griffin once on a pod, so I can say it. It, w- it wasn't private. And he said when he was running the Cavaliers, Ty Lue didn't take the reins of the defense until the postseason. Well, here we are. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're doing the same thing now. But this is a team that doesn't seem to care about defense the way you would think they would with all those defenders. I like some of the role players. I'm a huge Terrence Mann fan coming off the bench. I think he's better than people realize. I think they can play Marcus Morris at center. They did 15% of the time this year. and that's. I think, an they're going, I think, they're, I think that's a look we're going to see in this series. I like that very much for them because of Dallas doesn't have anyone to really expose them on the other end. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Morris. Uh, but unless they know what they're going to do and then execute defensively, it doesn't matter what the strategy is if the players don't execute. Are we going over this? Are we going under this? When are we trapping? When are we blitzing in, in the hedge off of ball screens? When are we showing recovering? There was a couple plays this year, Zach, where Luca was rolling and they ran a ball screen and both guys went with the screener. And Luca, it was six feet open. What are you doing? That wasn't by design. So until the Clippers... Clean that up. Luka could beat anyone. And so I, I would agree. I think the Clippers are the better team. They're likely to win. Uh, it shouldn't be so competitive, but I don't trust the Clippers on defense. I'll, I'll see if I'm wrong. Well, having said all that, they actually rose up to eighth in defense for the season. So they're trending the right way. They were like 20th at, yeah, at points, like right. not a trivial amount of time into the season. So they're trending the right way. And look, you want to zoom out? The pressure narrative, who has the most pressure, yeah. has been focused on the Bucks because of all the Mike Budenholzer noise. It's been focused on the Nets because they traded everything to load up on guys who are 30, whatever. I think the team with the most pressure on them in the NBA is the Clippers because they completely <laughs> the bed last season when they went up 3-1 and melted down in a puddle of anxiety and <laughs> disinterest the likes of which I have never seen a contender uh, produce on an NBA court. The Jazz and the Suns are seeded one and two. I think it's fair to be a little bit skeptical of are they as good a playoff team as they are a regular season team. I think that's fair. That's not the same as just counting them. They can't win. I'm sleeping on them. I'm a hater. I just think maybe they're a little bit more built for the regular season than they are in the playoffs. The Lakers are injured and seventh and on the road the whole time and recovering. Jamal Murray is hurt, and boy, was I close to pulling the trigger on a Nuggets win the championship prediction before that injury. 
It's right there for the Clippers. Yep. It's right there. Kawhi's a free agent. They're not getting any younger. They have no draft picks. They've traded everything, every swap, every whatever. This is it. You're serious? You want to win? Bring it this playoffs and show me right off the bat. And I like I think to the Luca point, and then we'll move on to another series. I think one of the fundamental things they could do and they did not do enough last year, I think they need to make Luca work on defense. I think For they sure. need to find him where he is, bring him into pick, even if he's guarding Batum or Marcus Morris, bring him into the action, make him guard, tire him out. Because on offense, one of the things I like about Luca this year is, and I think this is critical for him in this series, he's even more calculated than he was last year. And by that I mean when he's got when they find Reggie Jackson and they bring him into the action and he's got Reggie Jackson on him, he's a better Luca is a better post player and a more determined post player than he was last year. When they switch Zubots onto him and he let's say he gives up the ball after that switch, he's got to be dialed in at on I've got a big guy on me. I got to keep moving. I yeah. can't stop and watch the action. If I relocate, I'm going to get a good three. If we see that, Luca, he's a problem. But I think the Clippers have enough answers that they should win. Yeah. They, they actually were seventh in defense the last 15 games of regular season, the Clippers. But they weren't playing Luca every game. And so that's my concern is you, just what you, you said this. I was calculated, as talented as he is. He is going to exploit every mental slip-up. Remember, Hubie Brown teaches you set screens for only one reason, to make defenders think. The Clippers were thinking, and they were all over the place against them before. Now we'll see. They've got a week to prepare, right? And let's see how locked in they are. Um, and, and, and again, Porzingis is the wild card to me. If he's picking and popping and they can drag Zubats into that action, then the third defender has to rotate to him and it, it gets the ball moving. If he's healthy, that's interesting. But I think the Clippers have enough. I think it's Clippers in sixth. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Number five on my intrigue list, and really the last one that I'm like super duper intrigued by, Blazers Nuggets, uh, the 3-6 series in the West. I think Vegas has the Blazers a slight favorite in this series. It's obviously a rematch from two seasons ago when Portland went to Denver in Game 7 and won that series in Game 7 without Yusuf Nurkic, who was injured. Ennis Cantor was an Ironman starting center in that series. Um, I, I like this is just a fun matchup. We have two of the best players in the league who are going to go head-to-head in a gazillion pick-and-rolls, Damian Lillard going at Nikola Jokic. We have the presumptive MVP going against a team that I think is going to say, 
we're single covering you as much as we can uh, with Nurkic oh, yeah. and Cantor. We're yeah. not going to double you. We're not going to unleash your passing game. And by the way, your passing game is down a whole lot of good shooting right now. Denver's shooting is sneakily bad around the perimeter other than Porter. And I think um, that's going to be a wild card. And and um, and Portland, look, their starters are plus 13 per 100 possessions. With Nurkic on the floor, they play defense at a top six, seven level overall in the NBA. And Nurkic foul trouble is one of the wild cards to me in this series. If he if he stays out of foul trouble and gives Portland 30, 32 good minutes a game, I think they have a really good chance to upset Denver in this series. And to me, and this is the last thing I'll toss to you, I think this series is about Michael Porter Jr. as much as any player in this series because Jokic is going to be Jokic. Dame is going to be Dame. If Michael Porter Jr. is a superstar, if he's averaging 25 to 30 a game and just shooting threes right over Norman Powell, shooting threes right over Robert Cummington, if he's along for the ride with Jokic, Denver can and probably will win. If he's just good, if he's averaging 20 to 22 and Portland gets into his skin a little bit, and I think they'll use Powell on him. They like the Powell matchup on him, even though he's giving up so much size. I think Portland will win. So to, to me, this is a... Is Mike, can Michael Porter Jr. put up a star turn in a first-round playoff series? Yeah, there's a couple of things I'm looking at. That's one because uh, we, just, we all remember what Jamal Murray did last year. They need someone to do that. I mean, they had Jokic last year too. Jokic was an incredible player last year, and they still needed Jamal to make lots of really hard contested shots. Again, this is what elite players are supposed to do. We guard them, and they still make it. No matter what you do, they find ways to score. I don't know if – Porter Jr. can do that. We'll see. It was easier last year playing with Zola, two guys. Uh, Jokic, to me, is the key because of his shooting, though. He really shot poorly at the end of the year. 26% the last 15 games. Uh, you, Nurkic guards him in the paint. Maybe as good as anyone, if not better than anyone. He's, he's such an enormously tall man. And maybe it's because they would practice a bunch together. When they I was going to say, you, you, know, you know he relishes this matchup. You know oh, he yeah. loves this opportunity. Sure. They, they chose one over the other. Uh he is a large man, but when Jokic can make threes, Zach, he's got a he's got a dribble drive, shot fake, attack, pivot game that the momentum of getting Jokic downhill from the perimeter gives him the opportunity to kind of bump Nurkic off his, you know, the great scorers know how to bump you and create space and don't get the offensive charge. It's easier to do that from 25 feet than it is from 12 feet. It's much easier to do it. So, and Jokic can do it. That's what makes him like very few guys look like him can do what he does. But if he's not making three, Zach, and Nurkic can stay home, it's much harder. And then Denver's deep offense gets much more clogged because, as you said, and I made a note of this, Aaron Gordon, 27%. Dozier, 27%. Millsap, 24%. Jokic, 26%. Those were their final 15 games numbers. You know what that means? It means Blazers, guys, cannot guard all those people. So the you, you don't – a team this year, Utah early in the season, not too long ago, tried doubling Jokic – on the catch or they would wait until one of their teammates, one of the guys that were guarding would go like towards the DHO and then they would send someone. But Jokic knows it's coming when you, when you telegraph that and his teammates know, just go. Even if you don't think you're open, he will find you. He's like that quarterback with the perfect accuracy. So you have to mix up your coverage unless you don't have to guard other guys. You can stay off them and give it up. That really clogs Denver's offense up a little bit. Portland had the number one offense the last 15 games, 122 points per 100 possessions. That's phenomenal shooting. Their, their list 
of shooters. Give me a second here. I'm going to read them to you. Ready? Simmons at 47%. CJ, 44%. Mello, 52%. Uh, uh, Powell, 38%. Uh, Rocco, 35%, right? Dame, 44 the last 15 games of regular season. And Nurk and Cantor can shoot. You don't think they can? Nurk, Nurk has dipped his little his big yeah. toe into three-point shooting. It's a little slow. It's like Valanchunas. It takes right. forever, but he's dipped his toe. So right. you you nailed it to me. Well, first of all, Dozier hasn't been healthy. Barton hasn't been healthy. Right. Morris has been on a minutes restriction. Right. We know Murray is out. They're just down. Right. We don't know how many guys they're down. Maybe some of those guys give it a go. They're down a lot of guys. I wonder if, as you're saying this, if Portland is going to say, because I agree with you, Jokic three-point shooting, I have it written right here, is the wild card of this series. Because when he takes a high volume of threes and he shoots it pretty well, None. then Nurkic has to come out and the pump and go yeah. gets activated. And then you're in motion and you're dead because yeah. you're in slow motion. You're a little bit faster right. than his old. You're still in slow motion <laughs> and you're dead. But to me, I wonder if Portland will say, well, we're just not going to get in rotation. We're going to go under against Campazzo. We're going to go under against – you can't go under against Porter, but he's not really a pick-and-roll ball handler. We're right. going to go under against Dozier. Whoever you throw out on the Rivers, yeah. we're going under, under, under so we can stay home on Jokic. Um, that's an interesting one to me. And obviously on the other end, uh, Portland is just going to run a gazillion pick-and-rolls, force Jokic to guard in space. He's actually managed pretty well yeah. against the Blazers to me – Again, it's like when they get the hockey assists moving, when they get off the ball, they get CJ – like Dane gets off it, CJ or Norm catches it with a little head of steam, and then they get moving. They're really, really hard to guard. They have a lot of shooting. Their bench is iffy and a little bit of a wild card, but I think Portland has enough – my my pick on the site is Portland at seven. I think it's going to be a long series, but I think Portland has enough to win it. I agree with you. I, I, I've got Portland as an edge, too, and I wouldn't if Denver was healthy. They're not even close to being healthy. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's not just Murray. Uh, I like Compazzo. I watched him a ton when he was playing I love in Europe. I, I don't yeah. like Compazzo. Yeah. I love Compazzo. Yeah. But you're he, going under. He's a 34.5% three-point yeah. You're going under if, if they're running pick and rolls with him. Right. He and Rivers both shot 38% last 15 games. But they're going to make him prove it. They're going to go under and make make improve. They're not going to go over. They're not going to treat him like Steph Curry. Morris Morris is a wild card too. If he can play a little bit more, he's a good shooter and can guard and he's got some quickness. I just think they're missing too much. If Aaron Gordon can play great, I'd feel differently. He's he's a great cutter, great receiver. He isn't the offensive guy they need. Unless the, they the irony the irony is they traded for him. Like yeah. we gotta we gotta guard these big wings and then they draw the first round of the team with no big right. wings that you're right. concerned about at all. Yeah. I do think we'll see some Jokic Porter two man game, even inverted with Jokic sure. handling the ball. Yeah. Um Denver has a lot of answers just simply because of how creative and versatile Jokic is. So I think it's gonna be a fun series. But to me, I'm looking at Porter. Portland has preferred to have Powell on Porter and Covington on Gordon. Those matchups will be reversed, I think, on the other end. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think it's going to be a fun series. Uh, casual fans may not tune in, but I think it'll be it'll be a fun series. Should we go to the last two now? Well, the second to last one, I know what you're going to say, uh, is my most intriguing, but not because Whoa! of this year, but not because of this series. Yes, you're just so, ready to see. So my second, my number, what are we on? Number six is Brooklyn, Boston, yeah. revenge of. The Paul Pierce KG trade, um, and and obviously to me, I 
if Jalen Brown were healthy, this could have been a fun series Three. because Brown, Tatum, Smart gives you three good options against the three star. Now there are no good options against those guys, but you have to have options that are not just getting worked. And now Boston has two of those guys. And then you're like, uh Oh, uh, who's guarding uh, Evan Fournier. You want to take Kyrie and this is Kemba. Can you, you up for that one? Cause that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem great. Um, so I bet I'm betting you are intrigued because more of how let's see how the nets look. Right. Right. We've barely seen them. Like I don't. I don't even know. I. I could. You. The, our listener can't see the sheet. I. I almost have nothing written down. I've got pages and pages of these other teams. What am I supposed to write about the Brooklyn Nets? It doesn't take a genius to know that if all three guys were healthy all year, they'd have been the one seed. It's fair to say, they don't have to play defense with those three guys on offense. You. You can't score almost against nobody as well as they can score against your five guys. But I don't know how they're going to play. I'll tell you this. If they play defense, it'd be the first time we've seen it. Doesn't mean they haven't played moments here and there, but I mean, over the course of a week, it's hard for them to be interested defensively. Uh, Jason Tatum is going to get exhausted because that's the one guy they're going to constantly have to do stuff. And he's amazing. He's a terrific player, but he just, he's going to wear down. Like Jeff Green can't guard him. Joe Harris can't guard him. Blake Griffin can't guard him. It doesn't matter. Because when he takes a playoff, they've got three of those same kinds of guys and great shooters all around them. So uh, I, for, for me, it's going to be – other teams are hoping Boston plays well just to try to get the Nets a little bit fatigued. It's really what it boils down to is don't let them cruise into the Eastern Conference Finals having played eight games. That's really – because I don't, I don't think they can stay with them at all. So what we said about the Hawks and their starting five kind of applies to the Nets because of how little the big three have played. The big three have played 202 minutes together in eight games for the season. So who's the Nets starting lineup? If I had to guess for this series, it's the big three plus Joe Harris. I think think there's been some discussion of is Joe Harris better off the bench and do we want to start Bruce Brown? I think think Joe Harris should start. And I I bet they put Blake at center for this series and try to switch as much as they can so that Tatum is not walking into three-pointers over DeAndre Jordan on the pick-and-roll. I think we'll see some Claxton at center, some Green at center, and, and I think that's an interesting place to just sort of start. And the other thing I'm looking for Brooklyn is, you know, obviously how the offense looks. Spoiler alert, it's going to look amazing. Um, <laughs> how does KD look guarding Tatum? Because I think if, if Jeff Green doesn't start, that will be the matchup, and, and that's, yeah. a, that's a somewhat of a test. Not a test. I mean, KD's KD. I just want to – the only chance Boston has to be competitive for portions of this series is to win the possession game. And by that I mean they're the third best offensive rebounding team in the league only because of their centers. Their centers are all elite offensive rebounders. Brooklyn has been a bad defensive rebounding team. They're small. That's the weak spot of their team. And Brooklyn has also been horrible at forcing turnovers. So can, But they don't force any turnovers. So can Boston win the possession game? And how gritty is Brooklyn on the defensive glass? But I just think offensively, I mean, Brooklyn's going to pick on Kemba. They're going to find mismatches everywhere. They're going to do what they do. They're going to score a gazillion points. Listen, you could have an elite defensive team, and it wouldn't matter if those three guys are healthy and sharp. Uh, And then another factor is Boston crashes the glass but struggles to get back on defense, and the Nets are great in fast-break offense, right? Oh, my God. They are. They will melt you to, to, like, lava. They're going to make you pay. If you want to go to the glass, good luck with that. We're going to, you're going to score some, but we are too. And you can't play 50 50 on that. When, when, when they, 
when you miss a shot, you have to get back, but you have to go to the glass because you can't manufacture all the points otherwise. So that's why the catch 22 favors the Nets on everything. It's, it's likely not to be too competitive. I'd love to see Tatum take another step forward. Is Grant Williams going to do a bunch of things? That'll be fun. Maybe for the I think I, I think we'll see some Grant Williams at the five and just yeah. try to switch everything and pray uh, in this series. Because yeah. um, yeah. Boston has switched quite a bit against the Nets in the regular season games, including on guard-guard actions. But then you just end up inevitably with Kemba in a bad matchup. And Kemba's fine. Like Kyrie will guard Kemba. And yeah. so Kemba will often be stuck in that matchup um, on the other end of the floor. But, you know, look, I just – if Jalen Brown were healthy – yeah, the Nets, win, the Nets win this series, but I think it's a fun series yeah. and a good test yeah. for the Nets. I'm more interested in just I'm like you. I'm just more interested in like what have they been waiting to unleash right. all year long, and how much of it do we see right now? Right. I, I'll leave it with this. I want to wave a magic wand if I had one and if I had any power, and I want the Celtics to somehow because the Nets go four of seventy five from three, the, the Celtics to steal game one just to see what Brooklyn's got then. And I, actually, if you're the Nets, other than the fatigue factor, you wouldn't even mind it because you better learn to get through some steel. You better like get, get, learn to get through some heat, rather, to win the championship. That's yeah, what we're talking absolutely. about. They want to win a championship. Why not deal with it? I'll remind you, the Spurs whitewashed the heat the last year the big three were in Miami, and Mavericks took them to seven games. And I've always contended they needed that. Because they were unbelievable in the West. People forget that because everyone Miami stole all the oxygen from the room. The Spurs were an incredible team, and the Mavs took them to get, get seven games. They did some cool things in their pick-and-roll coverage that bothered the Spurs. I thought it was the best thing for them. The Nets could use a little bit of sluggishness to fight through to make them a better team for a more important series later. Yeah, and I think, I think the Celtics will have to attack Blake on switches. You know, Tatum can hit step-back threes over him. Can Kemba blow by him? And, you know, they have these little weak spots to pick at here and there. But I just think, you know, obviously Brooklyn is going to be right. um, a huge fan. I like when the Boston gets in their split action when Robert Williams has the ball. He hasn't been healthy either, and they kind of cut off of him. That can give the Nets some problems. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm excited to see sort of how powerful the Nets look and how they handle that, the center position. And, uh, you know, the, the real games are here now. They've been waiting for this all year long. The, the, here are the real games. and Nothing else to wait you know, for. This is it. Um, well, that brings us to the last matchup, the one that materialized last night when the Pacers gave up 9,000 points in three and a half quarters and I stopped watching. Uh, the Sixers, number one in the East against the Wizards, number eight in the East, and sincere, not sarcastic, because I made fun of the Wizards when they celebrated their division title a few years ago, uh, their first division title or whatever it was in a gazillion years. What the Wizards did and overcame this year in terms of injuries and the virus stalling their season and preventing them from practicing. Russ looking not good at all for the first 20 games of the season. To come within spitting distance of 500 and win the eighth seed is a real accomplishment and something to be proud of. And Beal and Russ are obviously no picnic, just like Beal and John Wall were no picnic in the playoffs. That said, I don't really see a path to them being competitive in this series. Um, the Sixers can swallow up. I mean, no one can swallow up Brad Beal. He's an all-NBA player, and Russell Westbrook has been. But between Simmons, Green, and Tybal, um, they can really put a ton of size on those guys, and there just isn't an answer for Joel Embiid that anyone has, really. I mean, is there any path to watching it being competitive here? 
Besides injuries, probably not. Uh, this is like a series from uh, the 90s where these two teams just want to pound the ball in the paint. Of course, Philly can shoot the three. The Wizards have been shooting it better. Uh, but these are teams that live in the paint. I think this. I think the Wizards last night scored 78 or something in the paint in the game. That's a lot of points against a team. With and, and, by, and by the way, I think they were first and third in free throw rate and 25th and 28th in opposing free throw rate, which means yeah. get your fast forward button ready because we're going to be seeing a, a of ton points. of free throws. Yeah. Yeah, number one and number one, and uh, they're also number one defensively in fast break points allowed, meaning they're not allowing it, uh, which doesn't matter because Philly doesn't really care to transition except for Ben, right? Ben will fly, and if he can't get it on his own, that's the only intrigue I have in this series is what does Ben Simmons look like? Because I think he is the key factor as they go forward. They're going to win this series in four or five games, and I give great credit my my friend Tommy Shepard stayed the course. He's the eternal optimist, and it worked. And Scott Brooks has done this two seasons in a row. He's gotten his team better, and uh, it won't matter against his team. If you if you if you are playing against a team that really could get pulverized in the paint, I think Washington maybe could do something. But you're not going to do that to MB and all those guys they have and the great size they have. They the Wizards struggle with Tatum. They're going to struggle with Simmons and uh, more importantly Harris, who can shoot the ball. Simmons really can't. But to me, it's this is a Ben Simmons thing. He had a great. He was plus 16 in net rating last 15 games, uh, and no one talks about him anymore. They do defensively. He has got to be. We talk about the guys that find a way to beat you no matter what you do strategically. Well, he's got to do it. This is the year he's got to do it, or I think he's going to get traded. So there's pressure on him. Ooh, we'll talk I about t- that later. Yeah, if he doesn't – if he if he lays down we'll, – won't be in this series, but going forward. So this is a great series for you, Ben. Uh, MB can be your MVP in any other series. You be the MVP of this one. Beat everyone up down the court offensively. Take some shots. Uh, uh, beat up guys inside. When Ish Smith comes in, uh, which he's very important for the Wizards, isolate him and go score on him. Uh, maybe, maybe they can just three. have a race. Maybe we can stop the game at halftime and just have Ish Smith against Ben Simmons dribble race up the, down the back. Whoever wins, their team gets two points. That's <laughs> so good. So – that's all that I mean to me. I, if if they're gonna beat any of these last next these next couple of games, Ben Simmons got to be better than what we've seen in previous ones, and I believe he's got a chance to do it, but he hasn't done it. So so uh, about Embiid, between Alex Len and Robin Lopez, the chances of an Embiid <laughs> confrontation with one of these players, like the over under is like the seven minute mark of the second quarter of game one. There will be some sort of shoving or arm entanglement where everybody falls over and it's unclear who the foul should be on. Um, but so, so uh, you nailed it. I am watching this series for Ben Simmons. Yeah. And, and for this reason specifically, since Avdia got hurt, the wizards have been going all in on three guard lineups, right? They yeah. start Westbrook, Beal and Neto. And by the way, Neto, Neto, Neto is the unsung hero of their season. Because he's shot it well from three. He's shot the pull-up two okay. He's really stabilized their team. However, that leaves their center, who obviously has to guard Embiid, and Rui Hachimura, who you can decide, should he guard Tobias Harris or should he guard Ben Simmons? Now, I will tell you, Ben Simmons will be guarding Russell Westbrook a lot on the other end of the floor. All of this is a long way of saying Ben Simmons is going to have a much smaller player on him a lot. So I want to see... How aggressive are you in transition? Like, 
yeah, Russ, you're backpedaling against me. I'm just going right at you. I'm five inches taller than you. I outweigh you by a lot. Brad Beal, whoever it is, I'm going right at you. In the post, give me some touches. Feed me some touches, particularly when Embiid is off the floor. Now, he doesn't play a ton of minutes with Embiid off the floor. But I want to see Ben Simmons gifted, gifted a size advantage in this series for at least portions of it. I want to see him attack that size advantage, attack that edge, and and set himself up. Just like you talked about the Mavericks and the Spurs. Use this series to set up your confidence, to set up your aggression level for the series that are actually going to be competitive. Yeah. I think that's big. So if you're a Wizards fan – I looked. I looked up there. I watched some tape on three games. In game one, in one quarter, I think it was second quarter. They get outscored twenty-four to forty. Game two, forty-three to forty-nine. Forty-three is great, by the way. He scored forty-three points in a quarter and gave up forty-nine points in a quarter. And then game three, they outscored thirty-two fifteen. So in all three games, they were competitive in three quarters and got destroyed in one. If they, so, I've done this as a coach. You've got to coach them up. We can't get killed in a quarter. No blowout quarters. Call your timeouts. Change your subbing patterns. Run your best stuff. Whatever you have to do for as a Wizards fan, as a Wizards coach, to make sure that don't let them run away in any one quarter and at least stay in games. And that puts pressure on the Sixers to have to make plays in the fourth quarter. If you don't do that and you get run out, they can play with that margin and they're much more calm and relaxed and confident. And then it's going to be over fast. The only other thing that's really interesting to me is – the Sixers bench players, because that's a feast or famine group in general. Yeah. I think Dwight's had a great season. Corkmaz has really had a nice season. Yep. Shake Milton's been up and down. Can Tybal make enough shots for his defense? Yeah, they won't guard just, him. Which They're is just ex- defensively, he's just extraordinary. Amazing. And how does and how does Doc handle those minutes? Because for a lot of the season, he's used Tobias Harris as sort of the anchor of those second units, right? The one starter who's on the floor. He went away from that late in the season and went full-on bench mob a lot. And Maxi kind of got some playing time. Like Scott got some playing time. I think when it's it's really time to go, he's going to have to have Harris and maybe even another starter on the floor with the, with those groups. So how early do we see do we see him prep that again in the first round? And how do those bench guys look? But despite the fact that Beal and Russ have been brilliant and Beal averaged thirty-seven a game against the Sixers, I just think this is a nice, comfortable. Get your feet wet as the number one seed. And by the way, the number one seed for whom the bracket broke absolutely perfect. Like if Philly is not in the conference finals, it's a catastrophic failure. So well, start think- start the process, no pun intended. Start the process of gearing up for that conference finals. Start it with a nice clean series here. Yeah. You got to build some confidence going forward. Uh, if the Wizards can win game one, because they've just played two games, you, you know, obviously you want rest, but they're also got a good rhythm. Don't panic. The Lakers again showed last year you can lose the first game and 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 sweep from there. Uh, I just I'm waiting for Ben to be the player that he can be, and he's just he's not quite there. This can be it. This can be the this can be when his whole legacy changes. Coach, you've got to go. I think this is our fifth one of these. I absolutely love it. It gets me amped up to study up for the playoffs and look at matchups and start thinking like a coach. I think it's a lot of fun. I always appreciate you making time for it. Enjoy the games and let's talk soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it, buddy. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey. 
you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. 